everybody, welcome back to Q-Tips. We are the Video Store Junkies. Today we are bringing you some selections that you cannot watch on streaming. That's right, it's a super special episode of Uncued Tips. These are movies that we love, presumably, and they are just not available on streaming ever. And so we've never recommended them to you. So we're just gonna take a little time to talk about them today. And I will throw this over to Paul. Well, why, thank you, Renee. Uh, my theme is films that aren't streaming that scared the crap out of me as a kid. <laughs> and uh, I'll take you back to 1973, back when TV movies were really good and really creepy. And this one is Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Um, it was recently, it was, well, recently, Jesus. It was uh, in 2010, it was remade. But uh, this is the original starring Kim Darby and Jim Hutton, who you would know his son, Timothy Hutton. Um, and there are a couple that uh, inherit, I think it was a brownstone or basically an old house. And I think it's just an old house. And there's something that might be living in the basement. Uh, basically, Kim Darby is sort of haunted by these little creatures that sort of look like, um, sort of look like a cone heads whose heads are all shriveled up like prunes. It scared the crap yeah. out of me as a kid. Um uh, William Demarest, who was Uncle Charlie from My Three Sons, was the uh, um, <clears throat> was was like the handyman who warned them against things. And apparently, uh, Felix Silva was one of the creatures. And then uh, hmm. Tamara Detro, who I think was the one who she had played uh, E.T. I believe she was she was one of the other creatures in it. Scary as shit. I mean, I just it it freaked the fuck out of me. I remember watching it on I think like Channel Five in the afternoon. Great stuff. Love it. And you can't watch it anywhere, um, uh, at least as far as I know. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, great, scary stuff. And speaking of uh, people who are on My Three Sons, I'll pass this to Zach. <laughs> oh, thank you, Paul. Yeah, people don't know. I was actually uh, the the fourth son that uh, <laughs> only appeared in one episode, and then I was written off for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. I still get residual checks. Yeah. So, uh, okay, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about some horny vampires because that's what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, let's 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 face it. There have been a lot of horny vampire movies in in uh, uh, over the course of time. A lot of horny Dracula movies. I mean, I think there have been some uh, you know pretty much softcore porn. Uh, Dracula Dracula vampires are supposed to be sexy. Uh, they're supposed to be uh, alluring. I don't know. I don't quite get it. I've never quite understood the whole thing. Uh, I I pass out when I see blood, so I think <laughs> it's it's kind of the opposite of sexy to me. But whatever. Some people are into that sort of thing, and uh, one person who is apparently very horny for some vampires was uh, Mr. Francis Ford Coppola because I just rewatched his 1992 film Bram Stoker's Dracula, and oh my gosh, it is. Mm. It is incredibly horny, and I, I, it's, it's the kind of movie that they don't really make. Like mainstream films, uh, just don't. They just don't make movies like this anymore. Um, I, I had seen this when I was a kid. Obviously, I did not pick up on a lot of the horniness. Uh, I think <laughs> I remember. You know, I, I noted that there were boobies in it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a saucy one. Uh, and what a cast! Let's talk about the cast here. You've got. Uh, Monica Belushi, you got Tom Waits, you got Billy Campbell, you got Carrie Elwes, and of course you got 
the man himself, as he says uh, in the in the movie, uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, the, one of my favorite British actors of all time, Mr. Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. as Jonathan mm-hmm. Parker. Uh, you've also got uh, Winona Ryder, and uh, oh yeah, oh you've also got uh, Dracula. You got a, a little up and comer, uh, little little up and coming actor by the name of Gary Oldman as uh, mm-hmm. Dracula, but. Really, I want to talk about. I know that Bill's probably going to fight me when I see this, but I want to talk uh-huh. about what I think maybe one of the best Van Helsing's <laughs> of all time. You've got Anthony Hopkins in his prime as Van Helsing in this movie, and he's like the only person in the movie who's not just out and out horny. But even he, you can tell he's he's a bit he's a bit randy. Um, but he's also <laughs> I just love the the way he plays him. He is I don't know. He's a bit of a kook. He's a bit of a uh, a bit of a nutty professor type. I, I don't know. I just I love the way. Uh, I love the way he plays him, and, and he play. I think this was uh, this would have been a year after Silence of the Lambs, so hmm. it was uh, kind of interesting that I think he. I don't know. It's almost like he decided to um, pl- play this role a little more, not goofy, but uh, I don't know. He seems like he was trying to get away from the, the Hannibal Lecter mm-hmm. uh, uh, stereotype. But anyways, um, yeah. So Dracula. Oh, I also got to mention uh, just insanely good costumes in this movie insanely good special effects insanely good makeup i mean this is this is a really like well-made film and i I, the thing is it's one of those movies i don't know if i'd even say it's a great movie but it is a well-made film and it's definitely worth watching especially if you are into uh monster movies so uh brahm sterberger's dracula where can you see it well if you want to uh i just bought it on uh 4k it looks (laughs) great in 4k uh you can come over to my house and watch it because this is not streaming yeah it's not streaming anywhere you can rent it a bunch of places but uh, I would recommend uh, seeking it out in beautiful uh, 4K, yeah. and and then you can you can see uh, just all of the all of the all the details on Gary Oldman's makeup and mm-hmm. uh, his his hairy Wolfman bod. I don't quite understand the whole Wolfman thing, but yeah. whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, Dracula. It's it's a it's excuse me. It's Bram Stoker's Dracula, and uh, I I think it's I think it it probably. I nominate it for one of the horniest incarnations of Dracula <laughs> ever. Uh, I was, and by the way, uh, side side note, I had a great a great pairing for this because I was going to do the the Ford Coppola family does Dracula because I was going to do this, and then of course, just recently, uh, Nick Cage, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's nephew, appeared in Renfield as Dracula. Right. But alas, alas, the streaming services have stymied me <laughs> yet <Yeah>. again <laughs> by uh, not putting movies on their streaming services anymore. Because uh, apparently that's gone out of fashion. Anyways, uh, speaking of uh, a uh, a nutty professor type, I will pass this over to Bill for his, oh, his first uncute. Speaking tip. of speaking of things that are out of fashion, oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, yeah. uh, the one, but the one comment I'll make that just like Frankenstein, the true story, calling it Bram Stoker's Dracula when you diverge so completely from the novel <laughs> is is just a a little okay, whatever. It's great. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, okay, so nineteen seventy something. I I love three D movies. When I was a kid, I just loved the idea of three D movies. And every few years, it would have a revival. They would try to bring it back, and 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 then everyone would remember. Oh, we don't like wearing these glasses, and and then it would die <laughs> out. And and it just took every couple of years. They they would keep coming back and learning this. And we're in New York City. My dad and I were, you know, I don't know what we were doing out there. But I see there is a 3D King Kong movie coming out. So this was probably, when did the when did the Kong remake come out? 76, 77? I don't know. Sometime around there. And 
had to go see it. A 3D King Kong movie. It was Ape. Well, Ape is probably streaming everywhere. Ape is the biggest piece of shit I have ever seen in my life. It was good 3D, but it was a guy in a gorilla suit. No effort made to make it look It's so terrible. Uh, and here we are at a grindhouse in, you know, Manhattan watching this. And, of course, those movies always had double features. So what would you put with a badly made Korean 3D King Kong flick? Oh, you would put 1970s Colossus the Forbin Project. And yes, yes. And and that was before the the other one, because we would have just we ran out of the theater after Ape. So they start playing this. And my dad really got into this because it's about, you know, he he worked for IBM. And this movie's about a giant computer that they give all of America's uh, defense to. And when they turn it on, the very first thing it says is uh, there's another computer. Yeah, the Russians have one, too. And then the two of them start communicating with each other. And realize they've really got a lot more in common than they do with us. And things go south from there. You know, they're, they're trying, the humans try to break the contact between them of these two computers who they have given control of our nuclear arsenal to. And the computer is like, I think you better turn us back on because the missiles go flying. And yes, yeah, so Colossus takes over the world. And it's, this is a great movie. It's so intelligent. It's really, really smart. And it is never playing anywhere. Anywhere. I, I keep trying. I, I desperately want to do this on Decades of Horror and everything because this nobody knows about this movie. It, it's so ahead of its time, and I just love it. It's It's got Paul Frees as the voice of Colossus with a vocoder, and that is just, oh, man, cat's pajamas. A, a good cast, not really a lot of people who were famous, um, but it does have, and, and this was... One of my favorites, um, you know, the, uh, wait a minute, hold on, i got to find his name. Oh, yes, um, Hans Gudegast <laughs> as the lead role. Well, that's what it was going to be. And then they went up to him and said, there is never going to be a movie made in this country with a lead actor named Hans Gudegast come up with anything else. So he became Eric Braden and pretty much did that for the rest of his career. But he's terrific in it. They they were planning on either Charlton Heston or Gregory Peck, and they realized, no, let's go with an unknown. And so they got Hans Gudegast, a.k.a. <laughs> Eric Braden. Everyone in this is top-notch. It's directed by um, Joseph Sargent, who... Okay, Joseph Sargent, he did this, which is a really, really just solidly good movie. He also made White Lightning with Burt Reynolds. He made MacArthur with Gregory Peck. He made the horror anthology Nightmares, and he's probably best known for uh, The Taking of Pelham 123, which is a really, really good um, thriller, crime thriller from that time. Yeah, yeah. So this guy's, you know, he's got the chops. He was one of the people that they wanted to have direct the Vampirella movie that never got made. But he also did Jaws the Revenge. (laughs) And that movie... Oh, man. I mean, people, he was nominated, maybe one for Razzie for worst director. And from that point on, he never made another theatrical movie, did a lot of uh, TV stuff. And, you know, I I guess he's just one of those guys who a competent director, if he had a good script, he wasn't going to he wasn't going to elevate it anywhere from, you know, beyond where it was. But Colossus has a great script. And, um, you know, Jaws 4 does not. So Jaws the Revenge does not just. Yeah, that's how it goes. Um, 
But anyway, I highly recommend this film. Good luck finding it. If you do find it, let me know, because I'd like to see it again. Um, it's one of those movies I've only seen maybe twice in my life, and yet I have, I'm 100% certain when I see it again, it will be exactly how it plays out in my mind. I don't know if I saw it at the right time or for what reason, but I have such distinctive memories of really, really liking this film. So uh, good luck. Good luck finding. Happy searching. It's never playing anywhere. And I send this off to Renee. Well, thank you so much. You know, Bill. Yes? The rumors are true. Are they? Yeah, they are. I do have a special someone in my life. And if nobody minds, I'd like to sing a little song just for him. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so, so much. (laughs) At long last, love has arrived. And I thank God I'm alive. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. T99's Drop Dead Gorgeous. <laughs> Yay! Did anybody get that? <laughs> no. Did you Did you know where I was going with that? No? No, no. I had no fasc- clue, but Drop Dead no. Gorgeous is great. Yeah. It was like the best scene. Okay. So this, this is a small town in Minnesota, and a group of lovely and uh, talented teenage girls are competing for the Sarah Rose Cosmetics American Teen Princess Pageant. <laughs> this is a... Glorious mockumentary. It has Christopher Guest vibes to it. It is so funny and dark, and the cast is amazing. The performances are just fantastic, and there are just some bits in this movie that are just brilliant, and I just really love this movie. It's great. And the cast, it stars Kirsten Dunst, Ellen Barkin, Allison Janney, Denise Richards, Kirstie Alley, Sam McMurray, Brittany Murphy, and she was absolutely delightful in this, Amy Adams, uh, Matt Malloy, who played a super creepy judge named John Doe, but it was spelled like bread dough, and Adam West shows up for a few minutes, and all the while, Thomas Lennon is the voice of this documentarian, so it's it's very good, uh, and it, of course, is not available on streaming. It is never available on streaming. Mm. However, if you live mm-hmm. in certain regions, <clears throat> VPN, you may be able to watch it. Uh, <laughs> say perhaps you live in Italy or you live in the UK or Madagascar. Oh. You know, you you never know. <laughs> so yeah, once again, this is 1999's Drop Dead Gorgeous. And you know, Paul, I wouldn't be surprised if we never saw Denise Richards again. Hmm. <laughs> that, that's a Trixie Mattel joke. <laughs> It's been a long time since I see that movie, but it was, it was fun. <laughs> I, I remember really liking it. It's, it's been a long time. Sorry, I was going to say, it's, this is actually one of those movies. I, I, I wish I had looked this one up. I wish I had stolen that pick because this is one of those movies I will go and see periodically if it's streaming so that I can recommend it. 
And yeah, I uh, it's been a, it's been a minute. Maybe I'll go live in Madagascar for a minute and watch this movie hmm. because uh, I, I remember <laughs> the, the thing I always remember is Adam West and uh, his like little introduction. The part where he's like, um, "Welcome, uh, uh, hello there, everyone in beautiful Mount Rose, Minnesota." Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember how it goes, but yeah, it's, it's so good. So my my second pick of things that scared the crap out of me, and and apparently also were usually shown on Channel Five, is Quatermass in the Pit from 1967. Also oh, five million years to Earth. <laughs> top yeah, ten. it's not top streaming. ten for I me. Thought it was. I know. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. So those of you not familiar with uh, Bernard Quatermass is a character that has been shown was in a number of British uh, TV serials that later they would make movies out of essentially. And to me, this was the best of all of them and had the best, uh, the best quater mass um, and which played by Andrew Keir. It is. So basically they're digging a new uh, London underground tunnel somewhere or a new station, or they're expanding a station or something. And they come across uh, buried underground. What appears to be, a spaceship not only a spaceship but they find uh the skulls of like proto-humans like in the spaceship um and it just gets weirder from there and so uh dr bernard quatermass of i think he's like at that point he's part of the rocketry division or something is brought in and and just shit gets really weird and freaky and it scared the crap out of me and i think it's one of the reasons that i always found crickets insanely creepy Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just, when you watch it, you'll, you'll understand why, but man, I, it, it wasn't until we got a, a pet lizard and had to feed it cr- crickets and keep them in a cage, uh, and just, you know, go and buy a hundred crickets at once that I got over my, my just disgust for crickets because this movie, mm-hmm. holy crap. Anyway, great movie freaks the sh- freak the shit out of me as a kid still holds up. I've, I've got the Blu-ray of it and watch it you know every once in a while just pop it in because it's just so good and just so creepy so that's uh where will you find it uh god knows where probably a dvd somewhere or i hadn't really checked to see maybe in madagascar i don't know <laughs> uh, but it's found underneath by the name equator mass and the pit or five million years to earth and uh speaking of people that you can find in madagascar i will pass this to zach Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, it's just me and the hissing cockroaches down here. <laughs> so we keep each other company. It's nice sometimes. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about. Uh, I want to. I want to get into my my time machine, and I want to take you all the way back to 1999 because that year, for some reason, uh, virtual reality was hot. It was a it was a hot topic in entertainment and films and tv of course everyone remembers the matrix uh big big action oh hey it's uh with uh brom stoker's dracula star keanu reeves um Mm -hmm. yeah he's doing american accent in that movie uh everyone remembers that (laughs) movie lots of people remember existence the the david cronenberg movie it's a it's a weird one um some people probably like one or two okay probably me and paul remember the 13th floor um oh yeah yeah, uh, that that one came out. No one remembers that. Um, but I, I want to recommend something that that like I have never met anyone who remembers this TV show, which is kind of surprising. This is a a, a a Chris Carter joint. This was back, you know, he was uh, he kept trying to do follow ups to the X Files. He kept trying to find uh, shows that were uh, 
uh, just as popular as that show. And most of them only lasted a season, and this one was no exception. Uh, it only lasted for nine episodes. The name of the show is Harsh Realm, and it's about a guy... Uh, I don't remember the plot. It's been a little bit since I've seen it. I actually just uh, the reason I'm recommending this. I realized the other day I actually have this on DVD. I just mm. looked it up. You can, you you too can own it on DVD uh, for about twenty bucks from Amazon.com. But uh, so yeah, I don't remember the exact setup. And I don't remember why, but uh, there's a uh, a rogue general that has taken over this this virtual reality, and this uh, soldier has to go in and stop him. I I don't remember why he has to go into the uh, the VR itself but anyways uh let's ignore that for a moment uh let's talk about the fact that this stars uh one of my favorite underappreciated actors db sweeney in a supporting role but uh it also uh features one of my favorite actors of all time i'm, I'm just gonna i was gonna say tv actors but no he's just one of my favorite uh actors of all time as the uh the rogue general omar santiago you got mr terry o'quinn himself mm. who of course would wow. show up in pretty much everything chris carter does uh or did so, yeah, this one's, like I said, it's nine episodes. It's on DVD. I think, I don't quite know why this is not remembered. Uh, or uh, it's one of those shows I'm kind of surprised it hasn't had, it hasn't, like, developed a cult following in the years since it came on. Uh, just because it's it's just really, it's good. It's solid. Uh, it's a fun show. And uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's I guess, a sign of its time because VR was hot in 1999 and uh, some of the some of the things that involved VR got huge, and some of them got left behind. And unfortunately, this one got left mm-hmm. behind. But uh, where can you watch it? Yeah, you can't watch it anywhere. Uh, it's on DVD. So <laughs> uh, speaking of things that got left behind in 1999, uh. I will pass this. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I'll pass yeah. it over to Bill. Why, thank you. Imagine you're a homemaker in, in you know, somewhere in... Illinois, and your husband's a journalist, not a whole lot of money there, but your son, your pride and joy, actually gets to go to Harvard Medical School, and as soon as he gets out, he announces he is never, ever going to practice medicine. Nope, he's going to be a streetcar conductor or a novelist, one of those things. He's going to chase the dream, and and I'm sure Zula Crichton wanted to bury her head in her gas oven and just turn it on high, but the the jokes on her because the guy, you know, he is he became well, he always was Michael Crichton and and sold over 200 million books, mm-hmm. uh, many of which have been made into movies, some of them quite successful. But the first one, the first time I ever even knew this guy existed was when I saw a movie, a 1974 horror science fiction movie, The Terminal Man. Another one of these movies, you know, I, I really feel like on decades of horror, the 70s were starting we're not scraping the bottom of the barrel, but we got to reach pretty far in, <laughs> you know? It's just a matter of time. So things like Colossus and The Terminal Man would be great, perfect films to talk about because one, they're terrific, and two, hardly anyone knows about them, but three, nobody's streaming them. The Terminal Man, much like Colossus, I love the idea. The writing and everything is solid. It's, it's about a, a guy who suffers from a very intelligent computer scientist, super high IQ, who has epilepsy that causes blackouts and, and violent behavior. So he volunteers for a, an experimental procedure where they're going to implant electrodes into his brain. And whenever they detect that a seizure is on the way, uh, this um, computer will flood his brain with endorphins and that will be everything will be fine. And if you know anything about 
why we shouldn't take drugs, boys and girls. It's because <laughs> if you take something that causes your brain to flood it with endorphins, the happy chemicals, your brain is going to want more of that. This is this is the danger of all drugs is that your body will try to kind of go in the opposite direction. But so, yeah, he becomes extremely addicted to the seizures because <laughs> now there's a reward. Whenever he gets the seizures, the computer floods his brain with endorphins. So he becomes an absolute maniac. And that's so brilliant. It's really, really good. It stars... Um, uh, George Siegel, which is one of the reasons it didn't do well. Everybody saw him as kind of light comedy, and and this is this is not a funny film. Um, directed by Mike Hodges, who's another one of these guys that um, he did Get Carter, he did um, Flash Gordon, the hell, did some other <laughs> British crime stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's like again, I, I'm trying to figure out where these guys. Uh, how does this happen? It's always so if you're like a good director and then someone comes along and it's like, hey, we're going to do Flash Gordon and it's going to be crazy. You really got to sit down and just like, OK, they're offering me a ton of money, but this is this is not my thing. And I don't know, you know, you might really want to think about saying no. It's hard to say no when they're throwing <laughs> money at you, but it might have been a good idea because um, this should have done much better. He. He based the look of the film on um, American artist Edward Hopper, who's probably most famous for the painting of those people that are in a diner at night. Mm. If I showed it to you, you'd know exactly what I mean. Mm -hmm. I think, I, yeah, what was it called? Nighthawks. Night Thank you. Nighthawks, yes. Yeah, it's no. been parodied a thousand times. That was the look they were going for. And it's been so long since I've been able to see this movie, I can't really say for sure that he was successful or not. But I really like when you hear about directors who are like, I was trying to get the, the vibe, the vision, the, you know, the, the aesthetic of this painting. And, I, and you just think to yourself, that nobody does that anymore you know that's maybe that's where we've all gone wrong is is people who are doing art don't really have the history of art behind them to to build on that and i don't know but this is a this is a fun well that's it's not a fun movie but it's a good movie and it really shows Crichton. even <laughs> this is one of his earlier efforts good ideas am i totally mispronouncing this guy's name michael Crichton? i don't know he's dead no um, that's great so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, he had cool ideas. Now, you know, maybe the execution wasn't always solid, but dang, man, you know, yeah, Amber, di dinosaur DNA and Amber brings back dinosaurs. You know what? Listen, there's been a lot of movies where dinosaurs got brought back and none of them made a damn lick of sense. So full credit that he was able to, to get that one going and, and we got a, well, I don't know if we got a great series out of it, but we got a series <laughs> out of it. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's the Terminal Man. Good luck finding it. Um, again, if anyone knows where, could someone just like find these and put them on YouTube? Because clearly nobody cares. Nobody cares about them. <laughs> they're, not, they're not, you know, from the people who brought you Jurassic Park. Is that so damn hard to just put that on the cover? And, and, and people just had a curiosity. Well, I like Jurassic Park. I'll give this one a try, too. Dang. Just, yes, do do that. Okay, Colossus, I mean, the Forbin Project. Yeah, are you afraid of AI? Who isn't? Well, here's a movie about it. Yeah, yeah, go go with it. Here's, uh, here's a, here's a, <laughs> just to illustrate that, like, well, actually, no, 
<laughs> I was going to say there was a hit television show based on one of his movies, but uh, you can't find Westworld streaming anywhere. And then I realized that HBO actually <laughs> removed Westworld, the TV show, from streaming, so you can't find either of them anywhere. What? Nice. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because yeah, they get tax write off, man. You know, you gotta. Uh, you, the only reason, the only reason to create art in the twenty first century is to not show it to anyone and then write it off on your taxes. Apparently, so so basically, the the twentieth century has twenty be- first century has become the producers, where we're we're making product <laughs> just to lose money and, and yes, yes. It almost makes you think. It almost makes you think some of these streaming things are like one gigantic Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. Certainly not. No. And so, with that rant out of the way, I send this back to the ever lovely. I hope she has another song in her because she has a lovely singing voice, Renee. My impression of Denise Richards. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Speaking of movies that made absolutely no money at all, 1987's Amazon Women on the Moon. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, okay, so it's like a bunch of different segments. I'll explain it a little bit more. It was directed by a handful of people like Joe Dante, John Landis, mm-hmm. Peter Horton, uh, one other guy. And it has a, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to the other guy. Um, uh, and the rest. <laughs> that's how I tell people about our podcast. <laughs> oh, so, so it has just a huge cast of people in it. It has Arsenio Hall, who is having the worst day ever, Joey Pants in a wonderful infomercial. (laughs) It has David Allen Greer, who is suffering from a mysterious ailment, and Steve Gutenberg, one of my personal favorites, and Rosanna Arquette in a fun little skit uh, that is a good snapshot of the future of dating, and a a real deep dive look at the unsolved case of Jack the Ripper. So, uh... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Other people in this movie are Michelle Pfeiffer. uh, Peter Horton is in a skit. Not the one he directed, but a different skit. Uh, Carrie Fisher, Sybil Danning, Steve Allen, Ed Begley Jr., Kelly Preston, Henny Youngman, B.B. King, Lana Clarkson, and Rip Taylor. Fun little story. I was at Dragon Con. It was like, 2006 i think and i saw a guy waiting outside the bathroom to meet rip taylor which honestly i I appreciated that he didn't follow him into the bathroom (laughs) he like followed he was like walking behind him and he realized that he went into the bathroom and the guy sort of had like a moment of what do i do and then he just stood there and waited until he came (laughs) out yeah it was funny uh yeah so this movie, it, it has sort of this wraparound story, which is kind of a spoof on the old, like, 1960s, you know, spaceman goes to a planet, meets a hot chick kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And in between, it's spliced with these, like, little commercials and little segments and things. And it's just like this goofy parody on, like, the 1980s late night TV watching experience. And as... A kid who grew up in front of a TV. I this was basically like my childhood, but in parody form. Uh, and this movie is never ever streaming. It cost a lot of money to make, and it didn't make any money back. The good news is a lot of the clips you can find on YouTube. So hmm. yes. maybe I'll put some. Yeah, I might put some links in the description. I I like Amazon Women on the Moon. 
Oh, you do? You the... I didn't think. Yeah. He I also likes the movie. Liked this movie. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not as good as Kentucky Fried Movie, which it's well. sort of a kind of sequel to, but that one had a fistful of yen, and that's just like the best. But it does have <laughs> it does have the Jack the Ripper sequence, and that's terrific. Love it so much. Yeah. I feel like I I feel like you'd said that on uh, decades for some reason. I might I have. I, I contain multitudes. I, I I I'll turn on a dime. <laughs> I was at a dance when she caught my eye, standing all alone, looking sad and shy. We began to dance, swaying to and fro. the bossa nova with its magic spell blame it on the bossa nova that she did so well oh it all began with just one little dance but soon it ended up a big romance blame it on the bossa nova the dance of love blame it on the bossa nova with its magic spell Of love. 